Welcome to Norwegian Newcomers, the podcast where we hear about fragments from the lives of Norway's immigrant population. Today, my guest is Walter. He's my friend. We met in Norwegian class. Do you remember that? First we welcome. We yeah. did. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we met in Norwegian class. That was fun. Um, do you remember the first day and you were waiting for the class to start, the first class, like in the little canteen? And I also was waiting there and then... You were sitting yeah. there and you were the the I, I the first impression or the first scene that I had was your face and beautiful smile. You were so... As, as, a, as a boy, you know, waiting, excited, waiting to see <laughs> who's in class, yeah, when we're gonna start. So, yeah, I, I, I remember and... Uh, after the first conversation we had, uh, you know, that feeling when you're talking with some people, about, ah, it doesn't matter, five minutes, and then you have a feeling, ah, we're going to be friends. It's, you knew this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah I had a feeling. start at school, you know, even when you're an adult. And that is mm, kind of interesting because we can go back in some point on, on that because that was the Norwegian class. And the place where we are meeting kind of people that are... Immigrants Norwegian or Norwegian newcomers. newcomers. Yes. Yeah. But first, Walter, I would like as some intro for our listeners. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Anything. Yeah. I'm Walter. I'm from the Netherlands. Before I came to Norway, I actually used to live in England for eight and a half years. So I have been away from the Netherlands for over 10 years already, um, since April 2010. So yeah, that's 10 and a half years. British newcomer. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I wouldn't really classify myself as British. I'm uh, too Dutch to be British, definitely. Um, but yeah, so I've got a little bit of uh, experience in, in, in moving country, shall we say. And um, yeah, I moved to um, to Britain from the Netherlands for work, for a job. I brew, moved from Britain to Norway for love, as you do. So different experiences there. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'm living in Oslo. I'm, I'm spending my working hours as a uh, delivery driver. Can I can I name the company? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I probably cannot, but uh, it's okay. It's they okay. could be our sponsors. <laughs> uh, I'll try. It's uh, the, the brown vans with the American logo. You know the one. Delivering, delivering packages. No, no, no. Oranges. Uh, wow. I was going to say the competition. They're not really competition. Fenix. Where the brown? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just listed yeah. all of them. Yes. And uh, yeah, so I've been in Norway for um, almost two years. Uh, gone to Norwegian class, still feel a little bit struggling with that. I try my best as much as I can, but I feel that I'm a little bit still in the, the immigrant bubble, speaking English with everybody. Yeah, trying trying to hide the fact that my Norwegian is not as great as that I would like it to be at this stage. <laughs> but before we... We are in Norway. I yeah. I would like to hear a little bit uh, about your life in uh, Britain. Yeah. And then comparing because, yeah, so you moved from home first Britain, eight and a half years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you are perfect uh, to to give us kind of or your impressions. Netherlands, Britain, Norway, some of the highlights. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, because, well, you know, 
being three Western European countries, a lot of, of, of people might think, oh, it's very similar. You're kind of the, the next door neighbor. And it's so true. And at the same time, so untrue as well. I think that, uh, especially when you talk about little differences, there's always these nuances that matter more than that you think. Devil is always in the detail. I realized when I moved to Britain from Netherlands that, um, you know, when we learn about England and learn about English language, it's usually about language. And then there's this stereotype that you make fun of, of like England with the rolling hills where Postman Pat drives through this red van and, um, you know, everybody in these, these long coats and suits and having the top hats and being overly polite and things like that um which is not at all the case um uh, really this is something that happens of course like in, in posh hotels and for tourists but um uh, <laughs> it is definitely not british life uh, how, in general how you would uh, describe everyday or common british life how your it, life there my life there well how it, it it evolved actually is maybe like how I, I had to come to terms with the fact that in the in the first years I was like, oh, yeah, I had this idea that I was going to totally blend in and almost become British and would, you know, be totally undercover there. Nobody would notice like, oh, you're Dutch. I didn't realize that. And over the years, it's the, 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 the longer I was away from the Netherlands, the more I realized I am so Dutch comparing myself to the British people around me uh, the whole time. And, and what is so Dutch? So Dutch, well, in comparison to the to England, you can really say, um, in terms of demeanor and approaching life in general, the British are very polite and the Dutch are brutally honest. It is then sometimes said as a sort of a joke that the English are too polite, to be honest, and the Dutch are too honest to be polite. And that is how we sometimes then frustrate each other. Because, you know, when you have like a little uh, a problem at work or there's some, you know, um, the, the Dutch people would rather just have you telling them and then we can do something about it. Whereas the, the British people, they don't like anyone to be very direct or to tell things as it is. They would rather go round the point until you finally get it. Um yeah, that's one of these things that, that was exemplary, I thought, for my life in 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 Britain. There's uh so different communication. And, communication. and approaching life in that way. That is uh yeah. Yeah, that was that was very interesting. But I thought that was uh, one of the key things that was so different and um, you know, because obviously whatever you do, whether you're at work or it's your day off, you're on holiday, just meeting friends, doesn't matter. Just in the supermarket, you're always communicating with people. And then there's these little differences where you think, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very Dutch and this is very British. That's yeah. Yeah. Can you feel the difference in Norway when it comes to the way of communicating? Maybe in a way, um, I'm still after two years um, finding that a little bit with Norwegians, I feel. I think that is got to do with the fact that I live and work now with uh, more foreigners as well. So I'm meeting some Norwegians uh, in daily life, but it's, it's, it's usually quite brief or... It, it will take a little bit longer, I feel, to sort of really find what is so different about Norwegians. I know, for instance, 
it is said that oh Norwegians don't they really like um, um, too much close contact that they like their distance you know when the corona thing started um, we had these memes on the internet that said oh Norwegians were so relieved to learn that it can only spread through human contact because they don't like human contact so yeah. they probably won't get it which is obviously not true it's it's a meme but um, I haven't really found that yet um, I found that obviously Norwegians are not as um, maybe forthcoming or dramatic as, as you will find from, from people, f say, from Mediterranean countries. But they are so friendly and so warm and so welcoming. So it is definitely not an, an, a cold heart. Maybe they're just a little bit shy. I don't know. But yeah, I, 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 I will see. I think that... Um, Maybe I should come back to your podcast in five years or so and then answer this question again. The <laughs> season. season yeah. Where are they now? Yeah, no, that, that would be a good idea. Um, I think that it's what I just said is true. It is um, moving to Britain is something a lot of people do because they feel well, you know, we, you know, everybody speaks English. So it's kind of easy to move to a country where you already speak the language, considering that, you know, when you move country, Everything is new, uh, the way people live, how to find a house, getting a job, meeting new people, how, um, really simple things, just taking the bus to the supermarket and things like that. It's, it's very simple, really trivial things can be so different Then it's easier to be in a place where you already speak the language, that at least that is one thing out of the way. I feel now a little bit in Norway, like, okay, as we discussed earlier, I uh, met you at the Norskurs the Norwegian course and yeah I'm trying my best to uh, keep up with it a little bit but still it is something that um, I actively need to go and pursue and learn and and pay attention to and I really feel like I'm yeah starting over in that sense making a lot of mistakes laughing about myself saying something dumb that I didn't mean um, mistranslations and it can be a bit fun but it is a little bit frustrating at times that you're constantly being reminded that you are the foreigner in a place no matter how welcoming people are and how how hard they try their best to help you and laugh a little bit with you when it comes to language you know when i'm thinking uh, uh, i'm regretting the most that i can't understand totally i can uh, understand something now after five years <laughs> But I'm I'm really regretting that I can't uh, understand whole news ni hatter, because I really want to know uh, and to be actively you know to know what's happening in Norway. Yeah. That is my the biggest frustration when I see oh I need to learn this language finally. Mm -hmm. But do you think that uh, learning Norwegian and uh, speaking Norwegian is uh, crucial for maybe getting work or? For, for what you think that the language is the most important? Is it crucial? It is important, I feel, um, but more for personal reasons. I would really like to um, spend some good years in Norway. Uh, as I said, you know, I came, I came for love. I'm in a relationship with somebody who actually grew up in Norway. So in, in you know, the life going where, uh, with family, friends and family and everybody, um, they are Norwegians or Norwegian speaking from young age. So um, for me, it is essential to sort of find my way um, there. But I feel that it is not crucial for anyone per se coming to Norway if they don't 
really see that as an, a goal to really stay here for a longer time. To give you an example, I've got colleagues at work, um, maybe from Poland, and I thought it was so interesting to hear. Uh, they really have this set up like, oh yeah, I'm coming to Norway, I'm having this job, it makes good money, but I'm going to do this for five years, then I'm coming back with my Norwegian money, I can buy a house like this, I'm gonna uh, fulfill my dreams in Poland with my Norwegian earned money. And you can imagine in, in such a sense, um, which is a good way to do, um, you know, thank God for, for open borders and uh, the freedom of movement in Europe. It is wonderful that we have achieved that. But then of course, you you don't necessarily are so interested in, in learning the language perfectly to actually stay here if you don't really see yourself uh, growing old here. And so that is that, that that really depends on the person and the work as well. It is in in a as a delivery driver delivering packages every day, working for the post. Sure, you say hi and goodbye to people. You have little conversations, but it doesn't really go deeper than that. I can imagine that if you work in in a, in a more customer contact job, that these things are more important as well. Generally speaking, I do feel that learning a language. It is not only about the language because, you know, Norwegians, they learn German, they learn English, they, they're good in languages. But speaking Norwegian is so important to really reach people. It really says, yes, I am here in your country. I respect that. I respect you more. I want to get involved. You mentioned, when I asked why did you move to Norway, you mentioned uh, briefly just uh, because of love or love reasons. That's right, that? love reasons. You make that sound so... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. That is, yeah, how, how, how life can go. Um, I must say, though, you know, we all, at least I think in this day and age, um, when people meet other people on the internet or get online, uh, my story is a bit funny in the sense that I um, had a nice contact online. Um, and you know, you chat a little bit, you send some messages and that is all funny. This is when I lived in the very north of England. This is the Lake District. That is the, the, the mountainous part of England, which is on the Scottish border, but it is still England. Beautiful nature there, working there in such a little mountain hut. And um, I thought that this dating service would be location-based as they are nowadays in the time of gps but this 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 wasn't in these sort of like the first internet phone sort of thing so when i figured out that he lived in norway i was so disappointed i was so disappointed because we had such a nice click just chatting about all sorts of stuff and what but i um no i i, I cut that off because i thought no this is not gonna work i'm not like a long distance person this uh, no, I was disappointed, so I uh, I just uh, put an, an an end to that full stop. Then, randomly, two or three years later, I was sent on an exchange program from my work to go work in a place in Spain, and um, some poor Spaniard had to come work in rainy England, so I I definitely had the better end of that stick. Anyways, um, I was in Spain and so was he. So when I saw his face, I thought, I recognize you. So we Come met up on. for real 
Yes, yeah, this yeah, is one hey. of these stories that nobody believes, but it is absolutely true. And uh, we met up for real, had a wonderful contact, and um, the long-distance relationship started for about a year. In that year, a few things had changed. I had some changes at work that I really didn't like. I really found myself in a place in England where I wasn't very happy with my life in the sense that... Well, what I told earlier, the expectations that I had put on myself, that I really wanted to blend in into like British life and become that and make British friends and stuff, hadn't really happened as much as I would have hoped. And I found myself relying a lot more on my Dutch friends, so much more than I thought I would have. And, you know, um, founding my, you know, a lot of like friendships. So based online, looking back in the Netherlands rather than um, actually having a lot of contact with the people around me. When our relationship moved forward and it was getting so serious that we thought like, well, do you maybe want to move over to Norway? That was an, an, an easy step for me to make because I was at a point in England where I could say, well, I kind of do feel like. I've Settled. seen, yeah, I've, oh. I've seen, I've seen the best of it. My life is not here and I'm ready for something new that it was obviously easier for me to make the jump and say, well, I can, I can move to a new country. I can come to Norway and, and start this new adventure because, uh, well, I have got nothing to lose. That sounds so negative, but I, um, I don't have a lot to lose. <laughs> Not a lot to lose. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I was already in a position where it was easy for me to then make that step um, when we both decided like, yeah, we uh, we should just live together. Because up until that point between the, the work exchange in Spain, us meeting there and me moving, we had a whole year of visiting each other every month. Um, I jokingly said that um, I should not have moved to Norway because then I would have retained my uh, gold membership of the fly company, <laughs> the airline. Because <laughs> in that year, yeah, we had a long distance relationship. I flew to Norway every month and I got so many airline points, uh, which I'm not doing anything with now. So, uh, no, yeah. Probably the their company <laughs> struggling uh, to survive. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, but um, well, yeah, future holidays, shall we say, future holidays yeah. after Corona. But yeah, um, so I was in a position where it was really easy for me to to make that move because I wasn't particularly happy where I was. Um, Can you recall the moment when you figure out that oh, I, I'm I'll move to Norway? What kind of did you know a lot about Norway before you? Starting visiting. Not a lot. Uh, yeah. I had actually, I've been to Norway before only once uh, with another friend just on holiday. We visited Moss and around there kayaking a bit in the fjord and uh, the countryside a little bit. I think we had like one day trip to Oslo on the train just for a day, but just very briefly. I think we just walked up and down Carl Johan going to the slot, but... Um, so yeah, you know, the, just the sort of stereotypical uh, images that people have of uh, long, tall, blonde people, you know, descendants of Vikings. They speak this sort of language and they have terrible cheese, um, which I'm not supposed to say, but it is true. And it's a Dutchman speaking. It was for me an open book. I had actually no idea really about like how 
things would be. And, you know, um, I thought just, you know, one of these books that you get from a book exchange randomly and you start reading it because there's no other book and you're bored and then you get into it, you know, like one of those. And then this was this Finnish girl and she writes about how she moved to America because she moved uh, uh, to meet her American partner. She got a child there and she writes about the differences between having a child there and not getting anything cared for, not getting anything paid, working way over the top and still not earning money in comparison to how it is in Finland. And she st mentions Nordics and Scandinavia um, as two terms all the time. And even though I knew that that obviously um, Norway is included in those terms, I never really like made that connection in my head, even though I knew from the book that I've only just read that, oh yeah, Norway is good with social care and it is known for... I didn't actually think of that really a lot when I came or before I came. It is now that I live here that I um, sort of see how that works. And I think, oh yeah, this is a lot better than it was in England. Um, but still, yeah, I... I didn't really know a lot about that and um, yeah that sort of things like you know the Scandinavian welfare state it's things that you've ever heard but you don't really know what it means so I was quite open about that it's also it's not really like one of these things that when you yeah. say well do you know about Norway they think well the welfare state does anyone ever <laughs> who, who talks about that <laughs> it's a good thing though yeah yeah but first impressions well um nature everywhere that that's that's definitely a wonderful thing um mind you uh for me that's always so special because i come from the netherlands which is very densely populated and even though we have nature it is there it is always close to a city it's always close to some sort of infrastructure it's always close to somewhere somebody i should say um, you can't go very far in nature without encountering another person or some sort of man-made structure of, of any kind and in Norway there is just like forest and forest and forest with nobody for miles in comparison to England as well um, as I said earlier I lived in the Lake District which is not one of the, the national parks so you can go a while without a lot of infrastructure but still there are little roads little paths little touristy things um, and very English there's a pub everywhere <laughs> thank god for those but um yeah so like how wild is wild and i think norway truly is wild it keeps amazing me it doesn't stop amazing me even in my job now i am um, as a delivery driver my route is uh, out in little villages in uh, arkashus or formerly arkashus it's now vegan but yeah, you have then these signs that says elk varen. So there's a danger of these moose coming onto the road. And I used to think when I first arrived, because they sell these, these triangle signs, the warning signs, as souvenirs in the tourist shop. So you can buy them as a patch. Until um, about a month ago, there was such an animal actually standing on the roadside. And I drove just what? past it. And I was like, whoa, I just drove <laughs> past it. An elk, um, which was amazing. And um, this is only about like an hour's drive from Oslo. So that is really not that far out and nature's there, which is amazing. So that is really my my impression of Norway, that there are a thousand villages, but it is it's so natural. Everything is so about nature. Norwegians love 
going to the hütte, they go skiing, they go walking, hiking. What it's all about nature in the weekends. They're looking forward to to diving into the woods and it is uh, connecting with nature in a way, uh, Norway. And it's uh, yeah, it's a very uh, agreeable lifestyle, I would say. Do you like uh, Norwegian food? Norwegian food, well. Yeah, and the Norwegian cheese, um, as a Dutch person, I'm not a fan. But I think Dutch, because, you know, I'm from the country of cheese, and then you're so into that and the ones that you like. And um, I, I sometimes make fun of my friend who then um, defends the Norwegian cheese. Oh, but Jarlsberg, they won many prizes. And like, yeah, of Norway. And <laughs> that's... That is, uh, yeah, 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 so well, yeah. But that's that's cheese. That's uh, a very personal thing, I suppose. I am amazed when it comes to food, how similar Dutch, British and Norwegian cuisine actually are. And still out of the same ingredients, they make such different things. When you look at the, the, the three kitchens, it's all kind of based with potato, usually mashed, or as an, in a way, with... And, and, and meat and gravy and then some vegetables on the side and still they all just hustle that together in such a different way um, and have their own cuisine whereas it's actually all based on the same uh, ingredients which I uh, think is amazing and that makes cooking a little bit exciting I think but also it's 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 not too foreign it's not too uh, exotic in a way it is still close to home What were the challenges in the beginning when you just moved to Norway? Well, language, obviously, as a, as a, as a number one. I did have a little self-study book in the England before I moved, sort of knowing like, I am going to go over, let's learn a little bit. And also because it is said that the Norwegian language and the Dutch language, they're not super similar like like Swedish and Norwegian are, but still in the same language groups. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can master this. That is true uh, sort of for the the A-level, A1 and A2 course. After that, it, it really gets uh, quite a bit different from the Dutch language and, and harder. And maybe that is just us getting older as well. Um, you know, when in, in in school, when you're a child and you learn English, you pick it up from TV, it sort of goes so natural. Whereas now I'm in my 30s, I really need to study hard to make this work. You're to to make me, it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Wait until you get 30. <laughs> but yeah, the language is a challenge in that. For me, a challenge was as well the administration of coming here. In my experience of moving around Europe, most places really sort of respect like, oh, yeah, you are a European citizen. You can just come as you please. No worries. Oh, you're living here. Well, we'll just register you. Norway seems to be a little bit more about, well... We, you can you can come here as a Dutch um, citizen, no problem at all. But if you want to register, well, we kind of need to see a work contract and a this and a that and getting paperwork done. When I moved over, um, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a job. I didn't have nothing. I had quit my job. So I had some savings money and some tax money I got back from Britain. That was pretty much it. And then 
um, start making a CV and start applying for jobs. But in the meantime, I did already live, um, you know, with my partner at an address where you then like to register. And I was just like, no, 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 you cannot until you have a job. You're not actually living in Norway, whereas I was. Um, but this was impossible. And the administration of that, it's quite rigid in, in, in a way. I, I had some troubles with that. Also, the fact that then, um, you know, you start this this um, uh, process with the UDI about registering. At the time that I came, it was quite busy um, in Oslo. So at some point, because they said like, well, you can make an appointment for an, a visit. You can't just walk in. You need to make an appointment. But the first appointment we've got available is in 13 or 14 weeks. <laughs> and that was a thing. And mm -hmm. I had this idea of like, well, I'd like to see a little bit of Norway anyway. Uh, plus, I have all these airline points <laughs> I'm not doing anything with. And the office in Trondheim has uh, an available uh, appointment this week. You know what? I've never really been there. Let's uh -huh. go explore the city. And then I'll just not be nip into the UDI to get my paperwork sorted. And then, uh, then it's all fine. Um, only yes, to yeah. find there that they said, oh, well, no, you've got a contract for... Because then I had a temporary contract uh, for work, like as a tryout thing for two weeks. And said, no, 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 it's not enough. So that's not really an, uh, uh, a reason to get you registered. It's like, well, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm paying my share of the rent and I've got a job. And then, no, no, you're not actually living here. So, yeah, they, they were quite strict on that. And... Um, how many months you you it was needed? I believe it was six months. That? A contract for at least half a year. Uh -huh. I I had done really some research online, um, both on the official website of UDI and uh, um, uh, new to Norway site. Nav also has a, a part website really dedicated to uh, foreigners coming to work here. But those things I didn't actually find mentioned, and because you know I am a person that likes to be prepared and have their their uh, paperwork in order and have their stuff sorted properly you know so i've really done a little bit of research in advance trying to find out how does the norwegian government like it and let's go do it they wouldn't let me it was a bit harder than i thought it was i guess that i was a little bit spoiled with um moving to england because england doesn't really have a lot of admin um, in a way, they don't have a central res uh, registration system for foreigners to come. Um, government bodies don't really talk to each other. So, for instance, when you go to the, the job center to apply for a social security number, a national insurance number, as they call it, they will ask for an address, but they don't actually ask for have you got an, an, a contract already or not? Or do you have income, to... yeah. No, it is no, because you're asking for this number to go and get an income, but they are not connected to other government bodies in a way. And when you apply for such a number, then um, they don't even check if you're legal in the, in the country per se. It is an, uh, yeah, very loose, loosely based uh, system. And you get things done easily in that way. In, in Norway, uh, being in the Folkeregistre is, is essential for many things. Just as an example, one of the things that I was afraid of after Brexit is that my British driver's license would maybe not be valid anymore. There was talk about that, how the European countries, of course, in the EES Aftale, the EEA agreement, 
have um, agreed to recognize each other's uh, uh, driver's licenses. And when Britain would leave after Brexit, that would come to an end. And it wasn't sure, um, it wasn't certain at all that a new agreement would come in its place. Also, because I am not even a British citizen, I, mm. I kind of wanted to get rid of my British driver's license. But then you need to go to Staten's Weiwesen and you need your your registration number, your Fitzels uh, number uh, for that. Which I didn't have because, and it's kind of silly that I had a, a job as a driver driving around in Norway on my British license, not able to get a Norwegian license. It is sorted now. I've got it now and it's all uh, fine in that way. But yeah, I was a little bit surprised that that, uh, for at least as a European citizen under the... Uh, European AES Aftale that it wouldn't really go a little bit smoother that I wasn't just accepted on paper um, as as a standard like by default as um, it was supposed to be uh, in the European spirit but well yeah yeah that it surprised now, me a bit but now when you solve that uh, administrative uh, problems that you that you had uh, at the beginning and it lasts for almost six months do you feel safe as with your status of we are still officially immigrants? Well, yeah. Well oh, oh, yes, I think so. And, um, you know, now that, that all the uh, administrative hurdles have been, uh, been, have been conquered, I should say. Yeah, that is, that is all fine. Um, you know, you get these, these little messages from the Oslo Commune about things that are going on and you're, you're clearly part of that, of course. Um, uh, yeah, Norway seems to be really taking care of its residents, whether they are citizens or not, um, which is a good thing, I think. And it's, it's very civilized in that way. Citizenship is a thing in many countries that can indeed like make or break your uh, experience, your feelings of safety, your security in, 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 in many ways. But I feel that, that for Norway, it's, it's once you're accepted as a resident, you're absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I would say, yeah, not, nothing much more to add. But, but when you think about home, what's the place that you are thinking of? That is a good question. Um, when I lived in Britain, I've been asked the question a lot. When do you go home? I hated that question because that it often came from xenophobia in a way. A lot of people asking that uh, sort of from, well, you know, you're a foreigner. You don't belong here. Assuming that like many Europeans, I would just come to Britain for, say, two or three years, make some money and go away again. That was not at all my intention at that time. It really annoyed me that people would be so forward coming to you, also considering that British generally are not that forward and not that direct, being quite polite, and then still crossing that boundary to come to me and say, so um, when are you going home? I used to always then pretend that I didn't really get the question and I used to answer something like, oh, I'm working till 11. Yeah. Pretending well, yeah. that I thought they meant, what time yeah. are you off? <laughs> 
And sometimes that would indeed kill the conversation. Um, and I would feel uh, like I had a little victory there. Um, but there would have been people like, no, no, I meant like, when, I, <laughs> when are you going Insisting home, home? When you're leaving. <laughs> yeah, and uh, home, home. Yeah, um, amazing. That obviously came from a place for people that really cannot imagine themselves ever moving to a different country for whatever reason. And that is obviously a certain mindset that a lot of people are in. People that just really couldn't imagine like why anyone would, would leave their home country and go somewhere else. I have, therefore, I, I'm intentionally sort of avoiding the word home country. Earlier when I said my native Netherlands, as in I am from there and I am very Dutch. That's not a secret. But it, it, it's no longer my home. It hasn't been for 10 years. And even though I, 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 I like telling other people about that heritage and about my preferences from there, what we touched upon, I'm, I can be quite direct like the Dutch are. We are the kings of cheese, sorry, Jalsberg. These things are there. But I, I, I do not consider that my home anymore. Having been in contact with people in the Netherlands, obviously intensively, I've got family there, I've got friends there. We live in the day and age of internet, so we are in contact with one another regularly. Thank God for cheap airfares these days, because the Netherlands is only like a short flight away. Mm. Uh, many airlines are competing over the route between Oslo and Amsterdam, so that's, uh, that's good for us. And I do see the country changing as well. The country that I left behind 10 years ago is no longer there. That's not per se a sad thing or a good thing. It's just an observation. When I think back of the Netherlands, I often think of my, my youth, me growing up there, being as a young adult, having my first job, having my first car, living my life. But those days are over. Those days say that I were to move back there tomorrow. It's going to be a different place, a different country in, in, in many ways. Uh, people have changed. People have come and gone. Uh, a different government with different policies. The city looks different. Old buildings have been knocked down. New, new things have been built. Routes have changed. Uh, many things have changed. And that, that, like most places do, it's just interesting to see when uh, I speak to other friends that I have that are also Dutch and actually from my uh, city, Utrecht, and they now still live in the UK, they very often speak of, oh yeah, going back to the Netherlands as if all the friends that we had way back when and, you know, the shops that we used to go to, the bars that we used to drink are all still there. Some of them are, but some of them are not. Times are changing, things are changing, Netherlands are changing too. And that that's the thing. So when you say, well, home, it's maybe something that that, that lives in your heart, that lives in your memory. As a part of you. As of course, and it isn't. It's a in, in a way, it's a very nice illusion. But it used to be there. I think fondly of it, but I do realize that a lot of these things are no longer there. Do you have a feeling that uh, Oslo, right now and in the future, is and will be your home? Yeah, I think so. I think well, in a way, because home is obviously close to your house. You know, to be able to 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 move to another country, start a life there, you kind of need to have a little bit of that that 
traveler's blood in you anyway it's it's, it's the nomadic sort of people it's not, not for everyone we are that's true that's why i say nomads by heart and then you have that sort of feeling like where, wherever you put your pillow is your home i do feel that when i first came to norway um so i moved in my partner who was sharing an apartment with somebody else and that then obviously had like a little bit of the, the situation where um yeah you really feel like you're you're sleeping over at somebody else's house now we've moved into our own apartment um which is very nice and then you really have that feeling like it's it's your place where your photos are on the wall and you pick the furniture together uh, and so on and so on so you truly made it your place and therefore this is your house your home it really is our home and then everything outside of your house the neighbors the neighborhood the shops around you walking to the tab on uh, yeah it becomes your home naturally i tell me how it um, uh, about your social life in in uh, in oslo i like it how in oslo now um a lot of these sort of like local neighborhood pops are coming up um just where i live in uh Hasle, um, a lot of people are sort of sitting at the terrace at the bakery. There's this gastro pub, um, all these little things that are in any sort of neighborhood that make people like the local people um, uh, just feel welcome. You know, you don't need to go even to like the city center per se to go to a good restaurant or bar or something, although there are many nice ones. My personal life, I am I'm currently hanging a lot of with the friends of my partners sort of things who then also became my friends. And, you know, just going to that sort of like low key local sort of places, uh, which is which is very nice. Also, because, you know, going into the center is seems a little bit like a thing like like tourists do. Do you know what I mean? In in a way, yeah, although there are some ni nice places, it, it really feels like, oh, yeah, just go to your local, um, as the English say. Uh, they don't even say the word pub anymore. It's just like the local. Um, go for a little pint and come back. Um, yeah, that's very nice. I feel that, that Oslo, as well as the city, is really set up with uh, local facilities. You know, like how in, 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 in certain foreign cities, there's always like a local supermarket and a local... Uh, like a butcher and stuff, but uh, really for uh, groceries, not so much for leisure. And Oslo is actually quite good at that, to have some places everywhere to go for your little pint. So, um, yeah, that's fantastic. But hypothetically, if you would be uh, a tourist guy for your yeah. friend for one hour to spend in Oslo, to show what you would show for one hour in Oslo? Oh, coming visit oh, Oslo. oh, just just for one hour. Yeah, you that... have just one hour in we the have... center of town to how you would spend. Okay, right. Just for the one hour. Okay, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Free. <laughs> Free. <laughs> right. Get yourself as quickly as you can to the Rolhusbrugge. You've got the boats up there, up and down to an island. Doesn't matter which one. Gresholmen, Langenöne, just there. Just to feel that connection of Oslo with the bay, because Oslo and the Oslo Fjord, they are one. Go to such an island, feel connected with nature and anywhere there, and just quickly back. 
I love it how the local boats, those ferries, they kind of run like buses. They even have numbers like what line one to this island and then that one line two to there and there. And they just even walk, you know, with your local um, um, card as well. So you don't need to buy like an extra ticket or so. No, it just goes with the same ticket that works for the bus. Perfect. You know, get some little lunch pack or get a little uh, something from the uh, kiosk somewhere and just up and down off to the island, feel nature, and you're back in the city. When you land then there, you know, you've got the Roosbrugge, you go to Akerbrugge. That's a bit more modern. You've got this beautiful Astrid Fernley Museum, modern art there. There's actually some art on the on the quayside there. You know, get a coffee, get something to shop, walk back to National Theater, two hours are gone then, but hey, you're back at the station and new adventure awaits you. It is, a, you know, it is such a good place to hang actually there in, in Oslo. Also because... I don't know if anyone ever noticed this. I'm going to sound like such a total architecture nerd. But when you look around in sort of like a 180 degree panoramic view, you see yeah. that really modern part of Akerbrugge with the modern with the Astrid Fernley Museum, the new built um, uh, sort of shopping part. And then you look past the Westbahn station that used to be the railway station, but that stopped now. But that is now the Nobel Peace Center. Mm. If you're interested in that, Alfred Nobel and all of that, um, they're building the new National Museum behind that, if that will ever finish, but we'll see. But the way you turn around, it sort of goes towards like, you know, that beautiful sort of like early 20th century Rohus, the Soda City Hall, which is just like, I love that sort of building style. And then when you turn a little bit further, it's the Arkashus Fort, which is obviously like one of the eldest buildings that is around there. So you've got like, not just a panoramic view of the city from that point, but also a panoramic view of Oslo's history in a way, starting from modern times, really turning yourself into history. And the further you turn, the further down history you go. As a little bit of a history buff and an architecture buff. I, I, I love that spot, Arkebrugge. And, you know, I like it about Oslo that it's a very modern city in a way. But even though it is very modern they did not forget about their historic buildings neither. There are so many areas like Teuen, Grunelokka, where you can really see that fin de siècle architecture, where you really feel like, yeah, this is where Nobel or Munch would have walked and, you know, just just went to the pub or something like that, or whatever they did. But it has a good combination of all these these different eras that they went through and nature there as well you know it's yeah, like parks this is yeah but not just parks but actually um actual nature i discovered at some point you know like um when you go to any city in in europe or anywhere and um you know you're just backpacking around you always come across the the metro map or the underground map the tube map whatever they call it in that city and you see some random lines at in 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 different colors to to differentiate between the different lines and there are always these stations in the center that they recommend for the tourists because this is where the tourist traps are that one big church that everybody needs to see the famous square where some famous poet did something the museum for whatever you came from it's the same for all cities and then you take the metro in the direction of hmm, 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 which is just an insignificant suburb 
where commuters go and you know because that is how metro systems work it's just commuters getting on getting all the way to the end because that's just some boring flat area not in oslo no they go all the way for instance for uh, you know former saturn songs van um songs van is like it's a huge lake it's normarka just on the on the top and then I wondered, like, why is there a metro station in the middle of nowhere? It's a huge lake. And people, and this is, and this is so Norway. People just go into the woods. They love hiking. They love skiing, you know, depending on the, the season, of course. But they love nature so much that they really said, no, okay, just these, it's not even the outskirts of Oslo. It's beyond the outskirts. We need to go there by metro because we all want to go there out in nature. And that's that's just amazing. The the metro actually takes you out of the city into the woods, onto the hill, and off you go. And that is Oslo. So unfortunately, we need to to end this uh, conversation. I really enjoyed. I hope our listeners too. And uh, thank you again for for being my guests. My pleasure. And Thanks for having me. Thank you for being with us for those hour or less. We'll be here again next week. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah, but I probably need to do this.